Hi, this is Norm Johnson, host of a bunch of characters, www.nwjmedia.com. And you're listening to the coolest guy on the planet, Mr. Bill Grady, and you're the guest podcast. Hey, wait, you didn't tell me ahead of time you're recording the call. Well, I just did. <laughs> I am safe. I am safe, and I'm keeping this forever. So you can't come back to me in 20 years and say, you know, that SOB never uh, got my permission. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. And welcome to show 19 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and the issues of the day. Today, our guest is from Bonita Springs, Florida. Kevin, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I think the first question that comes up, probably as many of your listeners that ask where Fort Dodge, Iowa would be, probably have no idea where Bonita Springs, Florida would be. I know. South of Fort Myers. Yes, uh, about halfway between Fort Myers and Naples. And I've been there, oddly enough. Oh, oh you have? In, uh, in what capacity? About eight years ago, our company, or the managers for the company that I, I worked for, we won a what was known as a cold weather retreat for oh, hitting okay. our sales numbers, and we all ended up at uh, Fort Myers. We wanted cool. we wanted someplace warm that had uh, white sandy beaches and not too expensive, and so Fort Myers was it. Well, it must have been some time ago if if one of the clauses was not too expensive. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite expensive to uh, live here or vacation here now. So you got in at the right time. Well, the year before we went to the Cayman Islands, so Fort Myers was, uh, pretty economical <laughs> compared. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that one. Excellent. Well, I know where Fort Dodge is and I, I, I knew it before I, uh, I even knew of you or your podcast. So how did you know about Fort Dodge? We're geographical wizards, I guess. Uh, I had never been to Fort Dodge. I'd been through Iowa on a number of occasions, but uh, I happened to live for a short amount of time in uh, the northwest corner of Illinois, a little town called Galena. And uh, it's right along US-20, just like Fort Dodge. So at some point, you get to know the roads up and down the highway. I've been to Galena many times. You have? One of my favorite places as a kid was to go to U.S. Grant's home. Oh, yes. Yes, Definitely. They've got both the home and the cabin there. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And I was a big uh, Civil War buff when I was a kid, so that was a big treat to go through the through that house. And my folks would say, oh, we do we have to go through that house again? <laughs> like, yes. Galena, Illinois is home to nine generals from the Civil War. And, uh, of course, Grant is one of the big draws. There used to be a guy in Galena who would dress up as Ulysses S. Grant. He owned a miniature shop in downtown, and if you went into the miniature shop, you not only would see him dressed as Grant with the full beard and everything, but more often than not, he was asleep. And uh, it was always entertaining, and he, you know, he would he, just to be able to see him. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago in a, in a car accident, so they lost, that, uh, they lost that little touch. 
but uh, always enjoyed seeing him in, in that little store. Kevin, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and tell me how long you've been down in Florida? Well, uh, I'm uh, 36. It sounds like a personal question. Yeah, I'm 36. I like uh, bananas. and But uh, I've been down in Florida actually for a little over a year. Uh, came down here in June of uh, 2004. Uh, had absolutely no intention of ever visiting, let alone living in Florida. Uh, I had a friend who had moved down here three years before. He, incidentally, is my co-host on uh, our podcast, uh, Radio Filibuster. Uh, he had been trying to convince me to come to visit for three years, and every time I was like, I, I'm not going to come visit you in Florida. There's nothing in Florida I would like. There's sunburn, there's hurricanes, there's sharks, there's alligators. So uh, at, at some point in mid-June, I happened to be traveling, and I was uh, traveling actually making some calls on some companies I wanted to work for, happened to find myself in Atlanta, and he coerced me, said, you know, look, you're only about 10 hours away. Why don't you come down for a few days? And uh, so I said, fine, I'll come down for a few days, just, just three days, though. I have to get back on the job search. I have to come down. I'll come down for three days. And those three days have not ended yet. That's how I ended up in Florida. I came down here for my three days, and they've just never expired. Uh, the job market here was wonderful, and there was no sense in me leaving when uh, the opportunities I was seeking ended up being right here. The growth here uh, along the Sun Coast is phenomenal, and so that, that's why I stayed. What's the average life like in Florida? What, what's an average day for you like? The average day is uh, remarkably similar to that of the average day for anybody else. The only difference is the sun's brighter. Uh, when you're driving to work, you're driving past palm trees. Um, or actually, in the past few weeks, hurricane damage, but that's another story. Uh, life is not that much more leisurely than one might expect, or at least it hasn't been for me. Maybe there's still too much Midwestern in me, uh, and I'm, I'm just not kicking back as much as, as I might normally. Uh, the weekends are a little different. Instead of the weekends deciding to go to a park, and enjoy a pine forest, I live three miles from the beach. So there's always a question, hey, maybe you know, go to the beach for a few hours or that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, life is uh, remarkably the same, remarkably very similar. Do dogs know if they're ugly? Do dogs know if they're ugly? That's an excellent question. And uh, that would have been, uh, been a good interview question had I been able to get any of the dogs to speak. My guess is they probably have some sort of idea. I'm sure they know it when they see it. I guess the question would be, uh, some people say that a dog or a cat can't see their own reflection in a mirror. If they can't see their own reflection, maybe they don't know. Or maybe they don't care. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, situations where I bet you they don't care. Or maybe they're happy to be. They can be very intimidating. What's the big local news story in Bonita Springs? Oh, the big local news story. You know, the news tends to be to the north or to the south. I think the big hubbub in Bonita Springs is going to be uh, all the construction. Uh, of course, there's a lot of development up and down uh, the western, uh, southwestern coast of Florida. But Bonita Springs just did this really weird thing where they, they decided they needed to expand all the roads. So they tore up all the roads, all the major roads. They tore them up all at once. And they've not been in a big rush to repair them. 
uh, or build onto them. I mean, we've finally gotten some three lane, three lanes going in either direction on, on, for instance, Bonita Beach Road, which is good. That's uh, one of the major accesses to the uh, Barrier Islands. But they've been very slow at rebuilding all the things they tore up. I'm used to construction where you tear up a little piece here and then you fix it, and then you tear up a little piece here and you fix it. Here they just tore it all up, and everywhere you go, there's orange cones and warning markers and uh, everything like that. Uh, the only time that those uh, weren't evident was right after Hurricane Wilma. Then they were all blown down. You didn't see any of them. Do people in Florida feel like they were passed over by the national media when Wilma hit? Uh, it depends on the time, uh, the time frame you're referring to. When it was before Wilma hit, we got too much media coverage. Uh, the media coverage was so strong from the networks, uh, how to describe it. Uh, I had family members calling thinking that the hurricane was striking in the springs two days before it hit. It was still in Mexico. And family members were saying, what are you doing there? Get out. Uh, there was, uh, I, I dare say, a little bit of sensationalism going on. Some of it you might be able to... You might be able to say, well, maybe that was a, a reporter error, that they gathered their facts too fast. Uh, when you report on the air that the entire city of Fort Myers is being evacuated, uh, that's a significant news story. When it, in fact, it was, been, uh, was Fort Myers Beach that was evacuated, which has you know, a population in the thousands instead of the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, that's a little less significant of a story. Uh, now, afterwards, we received a remarkably little coverage um, on that Sunday, what was it? I think it was at 11.30 on that Sunday before landfall, uh, Weather Channel cleared out of here and headed to Miami. Uh, for some reason, they had an inkling that Miami was going to be the bigger story, and apparently everybody followed. We got hit pretty hard with Wilma. Uh, so did Miami, and apparently they were hit hard enough you know, with the denser population and everything that they ended up becoming the bigger story. There are more people without power and without power for longer, so... Uh, we got a lot of coverage beforehand, and then during and right afterwards, there wasn't a whole lot of attention. Uh, but, you know, it's not anything that we're really craving. We've gone through hurricanes here before. I'm saying we have been here for a year and year and some months or whatever. But with Charlie and with a number of the other ones, there have been enough hurricanes here that uh, Wilma wasn't, uh, wasn't that big of a thing for us. I, I shouldn't say not that big of a thing. It was a Category 3, but relative to Charlie, it was uh, somewhat minor for most of us. Are people still trying to find housing in your area after Wilma? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, there's still people trying to find housing after Charlie. Uh, there are some inland towns where there are houses that still have no power. Uh, Punta Gorda and Port Charlotte, which were uh, ground zero for Charlie. We can finally drive through the interstate. We can drive over the interstate and actually not see the blue tarp roofs that we were used to seeing. You could drive through and just see nothing but blue tarps everywhere covering the roofs we don't see that that much anymore but there are still houses even in in those areas that lack electricity lack water um punta gorda is still home to several fema villages which are just nothing but rows of trailers that are over what used to be open pasture so there's still a lot of mending and the time frame uh for charlie uh certainly is measured in in years uh this is why we had a particular uh you know, understanding and realization with some of the other areas that were hard hit. 
with uh, Katrina and Rita. And, uh, you know, obviously we talked about Wilma, too, but really the Yucatan uh, was just devastated by Wilma. We, we really don't have any room to talk about it compared to how hard they were hit. What's it like to prepare for a hurricane? It's uh, a little surreal. Um, it, it's a really difficult thing. Uh, hurricanes are so unpredictable. Even when they think they know where it's going, it usually goes somewhere else. And that's been our, our, what I've seen during the time down here, the National Hurricane Center. They try their best, but every day that line tends to move around. It, no matter how accurate the forecast is, that line where they say it's going to go just moves around. And so there are some people who will panic whenever a hurricane is supposed to come anywhere nearby, and they'll run to the store and they'll buy all the groceries and everything like that. They'll load up. And then there are some who won't take it seriously at all. Uh, and you know, we'll just hope that the thing passes by. Uh, we certainly get the lines. We get the shortages. Uh, your your home fix them up places run out of plywood real fast. Run out of generators real fast. Um, and then from there, there's just this whole waiting thing, and that's probably the most agonizing thing of all. Is yeah, many of us have prepared ahead of time. We've got our supplies. We've got everything. Then there are those people who run out the moment anything might come nearby and buy up all the supplies, and nobody else has anything to buy. From there, it's just waiting to see where the, where the thing is going to go. Um, I think a lot of people in this area may have actually been taken a bit off guard by Wilma because the forecast from the National Hurricane Center, the line always passed over either Naples or Bonita Springs as far as the, the proposed path, but they kept throwing in these caveats saying, hey, look, we really don't know where this thing's going to go. This is just where we think it's going to go. They mentioned the error rates were larger on the five-day forecast than they had been on any other hurricane that year. And yet that's exactly where it went. And so uh, a lot of people, by the time they knew it was coming here, evacuation wasn't uh, really an issue. And had they evacuated to the nearest large city, which would have been Miami, they would have been hit by it there as well. How did people in Florida view the relief efforts from other parts of the country, for example, for Hurricane Rita or Hurricane Katrina? Oh, well, we, uh, I guess it would be from person to person. Uh, if you listen to the national media, uh, you know, their opinion becomes national opinion. When the media reports that there may have been a less than stellar job, then everyone starts to believe, yeah, there was a less than stellar job. My viewpoint is this. There is nobody on the planet that has the experience and it's a good thing that they don't because it would be, I mean, that would just be an interesting life to live. To be able to have the experience through so many hurricanes to know exactly what the right thing is to do. Each disaster is going to be different. There are different dynamics to the disaster. There is no way anybody is going to perform 100% in those situations. Uh, I know people lost their jobs and, and were under scrutiny, particularly with Katrina and, and the relief effort, but nobody can do a stellar job. We have a governor here in Florida, uh, Governor Jeb Bush, who has gone through a lot of these, but even he is going to make mistakes. And with, with Hurricane Wilma, he freely admitted it. Uh, there was some criticism of FEMA's efforts down here in Florida, and he jumped in and said, you don't talk to, to FEMA like that. I mean, FEMA did not make the error. He said, I did. This is a, a governor who's gone through a number of hurricanes. We all make mistakes. So as far as as far as the, the public opinion is going to vary 
But my opinion is, hey, look, they did everything that they could, and, and certainly mistakes were made. Rather than finger-pointing, you know, why not try to correct the mistakes as, as relief efforts were taking place, and then later take a look at how we can improve in the future. How are people seeing Jeb Bush? Do they think he's doing a good job? Yeah, they feel he's doing a relatively good job. Uh, you know, I, I have—I uh, used to have this little criticism. It seemed as though he would—he would never declare a state of emergency in Florida until the path of the hurricane was passing right over the Panhandle, you know, right over the Capitol. I, I found that to be an interesting trait. But the uh, actually this year he's been doing much better and uh, declaring the states of emergency and making sure everybody is prepared. Uh, overall, uh, again, mileage will vary between the different individuals. Overall, uh, public perception is very good of him. Here are the final five questions. How long is the season of the snowbird? Uh, it varies. Uh, we typically have two seasons down here in Florida, the wet season and the dry season, and it looks as though we've just entered the dry season. So I guess by saying that, the word's out, here comes the snowbirds. We've already had a few coming in. Uh, you can tell whenever you see Ontario license plates that, yeah, it's definitely the uh, snowbird season. But it seems to vary depending on how quick the heat and humidity returns uh, on the tail end of the dry season. Uh, last year, uh, it was right around uh, Good Friday, Easter, we had a particularly hot weekend and a humid weekend. So most of the snowbirds took off within the week or two after that. And actually, the dry season tended to continue uh, probably a good month or so after that. So it, it varies basically on uh, what happens right around March or April as far as the weather's concerned. When is the best time to visit Florida? It depends on your tolerance level. If you're looking for a less expensive vacation, if you're looking for less people on the beach, if you're the kind of person like me who likes the idea of wading or swimming in a 90-degree gulf, uh, try July. Uh, on the other hand, uh, bring the sunscreen, and even with that, you may have some problems. Uh, probably the ideal time is going to be, uh, we may have kind of passed the ideal time. I would say sometime in October, maybe early October would be a good time because uh, we still haven't gotten a lot of the tourists down here, so there's still a lot of openings in the hotels, and the beaches are relatively uncrowded. Have you ever been a witness to a crime? Been a witness to a crime? Ooh. I'm trying. I don't believe I have. No, I've 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 worked with a convicted criminal unknowingly once, but I haven't actually witnessed a crime. No. What's your favorite restaurant? Ooh, there's so many of them. There's a nice pizza place uh, down in Naples called Aurelio's, um, and uh, p perhaps the reason I would like them best is because they're a chain up in Chicago that just happens to have. One of their restaurants down here it reminds me of home. So, uh, you know, that that would be the restaurant of the day, I suppose. If you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably pick another one. So uh, we'll call it Aurelio's for today. Final question, what's your prediction on the number of hurricanes Florida will have next year? Um, I think the only prediction I can make is that uh, Somebody working for Colorado State University is probably going to revise the number about halfway through the year. Uh, the, uh, we're, we're allegedly on an upswing, and I guess I'm to blame for this because uh, when Brian kept trying to get me to move down here, I, I told him, as, as soon as I come down here to visit or to move, the hurricanes are going to come. 
because hurricanes smell fear. And last year, I definitely smell, uh, definitely feared hurricanes. Uh, within two months of me coming down here, here came Charlie, here came Francis, here came Gene. We almost got Ivan. Actually, we did get Ivan. Ivan missed us, uh, hit the mainland, circled around, uh, flew over the top of Cape Coral as a depression and dropped, uh, dropped tornadoes all over the area before reforming into a hurricane. Uh, number I couldn't say. Well, we see uh, the Greek alphabet used again. Uh, I couldn't say, but uh, perhaps uh, more than usual is about the best I could call it. Kevin, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I turn the microphone over to you, and you can uh, ask me three questions about anything, so fire away. I can ask you three questions about anything? Yes. Okay. Three questions about anything. Three questions about anything. Okay. How many letters are there in the Russian alphabet? Just taking a guess, I'm going to say 52. <laughs> there is a, a, a bit of a pause there. 33, but good try. Thanks for playing. Sure. Okay, okay, wonderful. All right, let's ask a uh, more serious question. I also had people putting me up to ask you what time it was or what the uh, mileage was on your car um, without looking. Um, okay, here's a question for you. I'm, I'm actually looking at your main web page, and you've got a logo. You are the guest with this individual with a microphone and a pair of headphones on. Why does the individual have no eyes? The reason for that, it, it was done by Len, who does uh, Jopone Radio. Okay. And what Len did is he wanted to put somebody that was um, kind of anonymous. So that could be okay. So that could be anybody. That's not me, by the way. That's that's anybody that uh, is there, kind of uh, enjoying the interview, and in the background, they they've got questions in, that was, in there. That was good. that was going to be question number three because they they have the headphones, they have the microphone. So I thought it's certainly got to be you. But uh, you know, that just uh, I had to ask because uh, I had other questions to ask, but I had to know there's there's no eyes on them. So. Uh, that's a good answer. I like that answer. Okay. Uh, third question. Uh, you are by trade, at least your current endeavors, uh, involves uh, uh, marketing consulting. Am I correct? That's correct. I guess that technically was my third question. But the actual question I was going to ask, you list your business as Star Communications. As somebody who's actually been in the broadcasting industry before, there, there are a lot of Star Communications out there. Some of them have multiple R's and everything. Star Communications is, a, is a, a group name that I've heard from a number of companies. So I was just curious if there was a story behind choosing the name Star Communications. You know, from a marketing perspective, it's, uh, it doesn't differentiate from the other stars. So I was just curious if there was a, if there was a story behind that. I actually worked for a Star Cable and, and Radio Company in Wisconsin when I was up there. Okay. And so I always liked that name, and when I was trying to find out a, a name for my company, I didn't want to call it Grady Communications or you know Bill Grady. I wanted something something bold, exactly, or something yeah. just just generic. And Star was always kind of something that was kind of like, oh, you know, that's that's kind of a neat name, Star. So when I got on the internet back when I started the company in 2002, I researched. Star Communications, and nothing came up. There were a few oh, okay. other 
different versions like North Star or Five Star, and but nobody had Star Communications. So it's like, okay, that's the name of the company, and let's go get business cards. And that was it. You know, you may have a point there. The stars that I've heard before may have had other words attached to it. So I could see how that would work. That was, that was just a curiosity, once again, looking through and, and seeing your company name, and I just uh, wondered if there was a story behind it, and there it is. There, now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was good uh, impersonation there. That was good. Well, thank you. You're Kep- welcome. Kevin, why don't you tell a little bit about your podcast and how people can listen to the show that you do? Well, I'll try to keep it brief, which is rare for me, but uh, uh, Radio Filibuster is a podcast that actually has uh, roots going back 15 years. Obviously, podcasting wasn't around 15 years ago, but uh, in uh, actually the end of, not, uh, end of October 1990, I was managing a college radio station at Southern Illinois University, and we had this new fall break that had come up uh, that uh, uh, they were basically sending everybody in the dorms home for, uh, for the weekend and a few extra days. And that meant that I had no, nobody to run programming on the station. We didn't have automation or anything like that. So Radio Filibuster was born of necessity. We were basically going on the air for five to eight hours at a time and talking about everything and nothing at all, which is where our slogan came from. Uh, that particular program aired, uh, I believe it was four times during the 1990-91 uh, college year. It got buried for about 13, 14 years. Uh, when I came down here to Florida, uh, Brian's been trying to get us involved in some sort of radio or other broadcast program uh, for quite some time. And when podcasting uh, entered our radar, that's, that's the direction that we went. So Radio Filibuster is basically just talking about everything and nothing at all. Sometimes we'll go on location. Uh, sometimes we'll be uh, rather freeform. Sometimes we'll have a structure. Uh, tune in and, and see what we happen to be doing that week. And uh, you can access the programming at www.radiofilibuster.com. We are the only podcast we know of that requires a dictionary in order to access our website. Because people seem to have a trouble spelling that filibuster word. I think I used to spell it with two L's at one point as well. No, I, and that's the same problem I had, too. I, it's two L's. I was like, no, as I looked it up, it's like, no, just one L. Right, right. And no E's, except at the end. Yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for being a guest on You Are the Guest. Are, are you glad that you wrote into the program and said, hey, put me in uh, as a guest? Oh, certainly, certainly, uh Brian was the one that had heard your podcast first and uh, turned me on to it, and I tuned in. I thought this is a, a wonderful thing and uh, just uh, went ahead and wrote in and figured, well, maybe maybe he'll decide uh, to talk to me, maybe not, and uh, was amazed at, uh, and, and very happy that you said yes. I was very uh, uh, pleased and honored to have been a part of your program. I appreciate it. Kevin, it's been a great to have you as a guest, and good luck with Radio Filibuster. And thank you. You too. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youwertheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you would make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Psst, I need to tell you something. It's about the best-kept secret on the Internet. Yeah, that's right podcastpickle.com the best 
podcasting directory on the internet. That takes care of show 19 of You Are the Guest. And taking us out are two songs from the Poncho Ponce Music Network. Up first, Darren Geffrey with I Am The One, followed by Taxi Doll and Waiting. From the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.
Music provided from the Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.